0: Jumping in, served to you by The Wine Cellar. Hello, good evening, and welcome. And here we are once again. Thinking about wine already, and it shouldn't be, it's not even Friday evening yet. It is jumping in the best in modern and contemporary jazz, of course, with myself, H.
1: And me, Chris. And yes, it is Friday evening. I don't know what's wrong with you, honestly. And um, the last Friday evening for a while, because next week we're going to be jumping back in to this Saturday night slot, one to look out for there. And welcome to this week's show. There's no doubt autumn is upon us. I always feel it's key time of the year, in that it unlocks the door into the winter with warm sunlight one minute, followed by gale-force winds, horizontal rain and freezing fog the next. It's also key because it unlocks the door into Rieslight What a financially disastrous 12 months it's been as you've got to get that tax return in. And finally, it's key when you think of long evenings in front of the environmentally friendly roaring fire effect light bulb, while the solar heated water glugs through the freshly restarted central heating or rather, it doesn't, as the radiators are full of air and you can't find the key. So, H, what golden delicious windfalls have come your way this week, and What's unlocked your inner warmth as the wind rattles your casements? I knew we'd get there in the end.
0: Um, well, indeed, I tell you what, I've got a very famous uh, birthday boy who just was reminded of this morning when I was driving in. Uh, I've got something which has been released again from his former paymaster, or at least some new stuff. Some of it's never been released again, but another bootleg series. And uh, also coming out later this year, another one from the sadly long-departed now, Espian Svensson.
1: And from me, well, we catch fire, we stoke the train, which might have something to do with what you're talking about. We raise a goblet, and to start, we look into the depths with Paul Lichty Orchestra, Jazz Orchestra and Dark Soul. Dark Soul indeed. Back in uh, 2017, trombonist Paul Lichertz was fresh out of college and working on a cruise ship when he heard that a new jazz venue was opening in his home city of Cedar Falls, Iowa. Figaro Figaro was staging weekly jazz events, usually for small groups. Now, he'd never seen it, knew nothing about it. He was composing away while he was at sea, however, and contacted his old college mates, asking them if they fancied being in a big band. He then convinced the venue to book them, even though they were yet to form and he was still at sea. And when he came back, the PLJO was born, with none more surprise than Paul himself when all his mates turned up. The band collectively composed, although the majority of the compositions from Paul's pen and the title track of the album, Dark Soul, we just heard is named after a popular video game. Paul says the first big band offering he's put out represents inspiration from his band's college days. And I think very good it is too.
0: Very nice. Always a cracking way to get the show going. It is, of course, jumping in with Chris and myself, H, and... uh if you're a jazzer, even if you're not a jazzer, one of the few names you will have definitely heard of is uh, Miles Davis. I mean, I think you could be not at all interested in jazz and you'll probably have heard of Miles Davis, possibly the most famous jazzer of all times up there, sitting with Louis, John Coltrane, more of him later maybe, uh, a couple of others, but Miles probably tops the pack for so many people. And in which case, if you're a bit of a jazzer, and I imagine you are if you're listening to this programme, you might well have one or two of the Bootleg series, which have been coming out for a number of years now. Um, started out back with his first quartet and putting together collections of music, some of which non-released before, uh, some uh, non-released stuff from albums, some studio sessions, some live sets, etc., cataloguing his career. The latest volume has just come out, the bootleg series, Volume 7. I'm assuming this is the last because it pretty much, I think, brings it up towards the end of Miles' career, bearing in mind he has obviously been dead for quite a, a goodly number of years now. Some might argue otherwise, of course. Miles Davis, The Bootleg Series, Volume 7. That's what happened, 1982 to 1985. For some people, perhaps way after he'd done his best stuff. Although that argument still rumbles on about whether the stuff he was doing in the 80s was just pop rubbish. And it was all just too much away from jazz to XWB jazz. Or whether it was just Miles in his usual way, as he'd done throughout his career listening to what was going on around him and forging off in a different direction himself. Have a listen to this one. You can make your own mind up one way or another. Uh, This is from the first CD in the trio CDs there, and it's a track called Celestial Blues, part one. (laughs) Much beloved Miles trick of yeah, The track's all middle in that particular case. Fade in, fade out. Everything's in the middle. Um and he did that on quite a few albums I think over I don't know whether that one's actually just from the mix Celestial Blues Part 2 Miles on the trumpet and keyboards on that J.J. Johnson trombone Bill Evans no not that one the sax player obviously Mike Stern he was a lovely guy we met uh, years ago uh, on guitar Marcus Miller of course who drove so much of Mars' music in the 80s on electric bass Al Foster on the drums Mino sinello on percussion uh, from a session originally produced by teal Macero uh, recorded in October 1982 at Columbia Studios in New York City and recorded um, for the Star People sessions Star People never got much of a review it has to be said Uh, previously unreleased session mixes from the music recorded from that album that's the gist of what you can get in Miles Davis the Bootleg Series Volume 7 as I say a lot of people sort of rather poo-poo the music from the 1980s and uh, the big article I think by Stuart Nicholson this month's Jazzwise sort of saying yes it's definitely worth revisiting and certainly on the On the experience I've had so far of listening to some of the music, yeah, I've enjoyed it more than I thought I would have done. Some I did think it was a bit throwaway and perhaps a little bit uh, derivative and such like. And he was listening to a lot more non-jazz, obviously. He was listening to Prince and he was listening to reggae and he was listening to dub and he was listening to rap and all these new influences coming in and in typical Miles fashion, bringing little strands of all those together. But uh, as it says in the liner notes on this one, he was going from a a different direction from when he'd left in 1975 when he quit for so many years and just went to retirement. He touched every inch of pop culture, keeping true to his iconic, iconoclastic vision of jazz as an amorphous art that's supposed to bend and flow and mutate to something else. And on the Bootleg Series Volume 7, a nice line here, we get to play in the rubble. Of what would become yet another period of unprecedented innovation, beauty resides in evolution. You have to buy the box set and try it out for yourself. So far, I would definitely agree with that. Definitely worth uh, checking out, Miles Davis. The Bootleg series, Volume 7, out now.
1: Uh, always pushing forward, never looking back was Miles' way. And he always had good people around him, whether you liked it or not. And it, I guess reflecting the music of the time did mean that perhaps the 80s was a period of pop that had a, a definite sort of. Time stamp on it, I think. So perhaps the the kind of groove that he had was uh, more noticeable looking back at it. But as you say, not for everybody. But uh, he he was constantly inventing, and I was pushing forward. Worth digging into and seeing what you make of it. Next from me, a reflective release from pianist Alan Pasqua. Now, Pasqua, aged seventy, although perhaps not a household name, has been behind the great keyboard rigs of many a famous band. Starting as a founder of the '80s rock giant uh, rock band Giant, he was in a Grammy-nominated piano trio with Peter Erskine, Tony Williams. Lifetime, then with Alan Holdsworth then he went on the road with Bob Dylan and Santana. However, his jazz career probably started with the release of Milagro on postcard records back in 1994. Here's Lynn Verno. Inverno there from alan pasqua and despite the name L'inverno is not infernally hot in fact as all you cunning linguists may know it's italian for winter and we're just on the doorstep of that what a lovely album with the unmistakable tenor of michael Brecker, dave holland on the bass jack de on the drums and the quartet always augmented by a wind quintet on certain tracks just been re-released on the postcards label in may of this year grab a copy now
0: indeed terrific stuff Jumping in and we have a birthday boy. We quite often do celebrate birthdays in this programme. I think we'll just play this and see if you can guess who it is. Not that difficult, I would hazard. Jumping in with The Wine Cellar, stockist of the largest range of wines, beers, spirits and cocktails on the
2: island.
1: birthday indeed and coming on the back of uh, coming to prominence with Miles in the 50s and then getting global again with giant steps in the 1960s. There couldn't have been much better birthday gift than Duke Ellington writing a tune for you. Take the Coltrane there. Happy birthday to the great John. Were he alive? He would have been 96 today. That was recorded back in 1963 with the Duke at the piano, Jimmy Garrison at the bass, Elvin Jones on the drums and of course Coltrane on Terra. and he said, I was really honoured to have worked, had the opportunity to work with the Duke. It was a wonderful experience. He set standards that I haven't caught up with yet. I'd have liked to worked all those numbers again but then I guess the performances wouldn't have had the same spontaneity and they mightn't have been any better. Well I think it was good enough for us. And before that?
0: Before that our first of a little John Coltrane duo there from the Living Space album with his classic quartet of course McCoy piano, piano, piano Jimmy Garrison bass, Elvin Jones at the drums the last Blues uh, re-released, I think, on Impulse not that long ago, and uh, a wonderful sound as well as always from a Coltrane, deep, steeped in the blues in so many ways, and but his sound always, pro- always moving on again, like Miles and like so many after, like Duke as well. We we're just listening to that and saying how Duke had started out doing Cotton Club stuff and whatever in the 1920s, and then towards the end of his career, he made albums like that with John Coltrane. He liked to mix with the young cats, it were. And we also love the one, uh, again, I think a a favourite of both of ours, Money Jungle with uh, Duke. And then, of course, you have the likes of Max Roach at the drums and Charlie Mingus at the bass. Meant to be quite a fiery session or not, depending on which review Hmm. you read of it. Either way, the music was wonderful, fiery, inventive, fun, twisting, turning, uh, and still never tire of listening to that album. And, um, yeah, I've got so many Jungle Train and so many I still haven't got when I actually go back and listen to them. But happy birthday and... Be fascinating to know where he would have gone had he gone on for much longer, or had he played into his 70s or 80s. Where, where would he be now? It's ah, who knows? Who knows? Equally, you could ask the same question of this man, Esbian Svensson. Died tragically young in a in a scuba diving accident many years ago now. However, as is often the case with a lot of these artists, a new posthumous album is just about to come out. It's called Homes. Home.s. And it's coming out on the ACT label this November. It is pure solo lesbian most of the time if not all the time that he was playing with his trio of course uh, what used to be the Esbjorn Svensson trio and then he was very keen for it to be a cooperative and they all had an equal voice so it just became EST and that's how he made his name and went to fame and fortune or comparative fortune for a jazzer anyway uh, and became renowned throughout the world uh, for the particularly his live shows the albums as well but the live shows again would, would have elements of light and there'd be a light show going on there as well it seemed to cross so many borders it wasn't just pure jazz it's a bit like Pat Matheny, he seemed to attract jazzers, people from rock, people from folk, younger folk, older folk. He seemed to be able to connect and communicate with all of them. However, this one, uh, much more subtle, pure solo piano, recorded on his own, at home, in his basement. Have a listen to this one. Alpha.
2: Hello, I'm Magnus Öström and you listen to Jumping In at Manx Radio.
0: Been enjoying that one very much, a must indeed at Julian Large, who was like last year's London EST London Jazz Festival, and um, very enjoyable. There was too, didn't get a chance to have a word with him, uh, which is a great shame. But this that's his latest one out on Blue Note Julian Large on electric guitar, Bill Frizzell uh, also on guitar, you might have noticed there, Jorge Rode on the bass, uh, Dave King from the Vibe Plus, of course, at the drums, uh, a track called Word. For word, uh, being very enjoyable, that and something you can actually listen to in the car in places, uh, very fine indeed. Before that, Alpha from the new album coming out, posthumous album Homes on Act. And uh, like I said, this is the only, as far as we know, solo album by Esbian Svensson. Not something he ever released, yet, whether he is planning to or not, I don't know. Uh, the basic notes tell us that he'd recorded this completely in private in his own basement in his house in Sweden. His wife, Eva, who's been the executive producer for the release, found it afterwards. She'd stored all this music. She said, I couldn't go near it for years, for 10 years. So she made sure she backed up all his hard drives and all the music he'd recorded and then kept it. And then much later on, went to see the guys from Acton, his uh, recording engineer, and they listened to it and found this and thought, this is brilliant. She says, I don't know. Whether the tracks, I think the individual tracks and compositions were prepared. At least I'm sure there were some kind of sketches, which I think is probably what it was. I don't think he was just sitting down and improvising from end to end. It was how I remember that he worked. There was lots of sheet music around. I'm sure lots of it was connected with the recording, though I haven't been able to go through it all yet. And she named all the tracks just Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta in memory of his great love, Esbien's great love of astronomy and space, thinking of one of his first albums from Gagarin's point of view. Worth waiting for. Very personal stuff without a doubt and very beautiful as well, what I've heard. Out on the 30th of... November.
1: And worth digging back into if you haven't a very, very influential pianist. 18th of November. Still going forward uh, with his music right to the end. And uh, who knows where he would have been now, but uh, influenced so many other trios. Well, that's about it for this week's show. Next week, we welcome along a new folk show on Tuesday, so Sweet and Swing returns to Friday night, and we'll be back in our old slot, 9 o'clock on Saturdays. But of course, you can catch up with us on demand to suit your own requirements. But before we leave you, we've just got time from a track from one of Australia's leading saxophonists and a good friend of Jumping In, Julie and Wilson. Julian, renowned for his collaborations with the leading ensembles of several different flavours of jazz from down under, be it with veteran piano star Mike Nock, with Sam Anning or Andrea Keller taking, or indeed taking a chair in the sax section of the award-winning Vanessa Perica Big Band. But during lockdown, he took a more introspective look at solo sax, with a pair of fascinating solo releases. Both recorded live with no overdubs, Meditations and Mutations are both absorbing and expansive. And I think the first, Meditations, is described as music which unfolds its stories rather as birds sing in trees but we'll hear a track from this partner mutations described as an expanding universe of sound bursting with sentience let's see if you agree here's the chalice see you next week back in our old spot
0: indeed thanks very much to our friends at the wine cellars uh, do you fancy a cracking up in a cold one
1: yeah uh, cold one now i'll go for a mid room temperature red please thank you <laughs> i might just go for a cold beer